Hello, welcome to the Wildcast. Just finished an awesome conversation with Eliza Ben Shalom. She is of the Netflix series Jewish Matchmaking. And we spoke, of course, about uh, the show, the Netflix Matchmaking, and the issues. I actually brought up some of my problems with the show that she responded to. And we talked a lot about relationships and to get some tips about how to get out of the friend zone. If you're friends with someone and you want to explore whether this could be a romantic relationship, we talked about physicality before marriage, the whole idea of moving in or not moving in before getting married. And she's got this really interesting tip about no physical contact for five dates. We got into that and some just practical help tips to move our relationships forward to help find that individual and eventually get down the chuppah. Take a listen. Welcome to the Wildscast. I have Eliza Ben Shalom. What an honor. What an honor and pleasure. Welcome, Eliza. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Rabbi. I'm very excited to be here. It is exciting for us. As you can see, by the way, I usually wear a nice shirt, sometimes even a jacket, but I wore my T-shirt, my MGE T-shirt, because last night we had a close to 200 singles on the roof of MGE at one of our summer cocktails on the roof. So I, I still got my name tag, as you can see. I thought I would, <laughs> I, thought I would interview you with, with this, just like my mindset's in matchmaking right now. So Spectacular. Uh, you know, I love it. <laughs> it's great. You know, we're up to, not that we're counting, but 382, which is Ooh. 24 wow. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Just 24 years, yeah. But uh, tell us a little, let's get right into it. Welcome. Tell us a little about your background. What inspired you to get into matchmaking? I think that I was always one of those go-between. I had those that personality to kind of be like the peacemaker between people. If you'd look up my Enneagram number, I'm a number nine, which is kind of the perfect number for uh, a matchmaker. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I didn't know that it was a job that somebody could have it wasn't like a career aspiration nobody actually was like when i grow up i want to be a matchmaker <laughs> unless maybe you watched fiddler on the roof that wasn't really what people were thinking and uh i i started to do it i just fell into it a little bit naturally in my um i would call it high school and college days and then as i had two little kids at home i was looking for something more to do within the community and you know kind of a way to give back and my girlfriend's like oh you could be a matchmaker on this website. You can set people up. It's really fun. You're going to love it. And they're like singles. They, they can't do it. No, no meeting, you know, each other by themselves. You have to be involved. It's a matchmaker only website. And I was like, Ooh, I'm in. What is that? Wow. <laughs> and it just naturally rolled out from there. How long ago was that? That was in 2007. Whoa. Okay. So good. So you've been doing this. Ago. You've been yeah. doing this for a while. That's amazing. And and why why the Netflix series? I mean, were, what were you trying, what were you hoping to sort of display in terms of Jewish matchmaking? So for me, what you saw on my end, that's what I wanted you to see. I wanted you to understand how we take this ancient custom and ancient tradition and we blend it with modern love and mm -hmm. how we adapt all of this wisdom that we have and we make it completely usable for somebody today in the modern world. Mm -hmm. That to mm -hmm. me was really important that Judaism, that the wisdom that we have, that it wasn't archaic, that it's something that's very um, usable it, today, that it's something that we um, not just that, oh, it's there and oh, if we decide to use it, we could use it, but that it's actually foundational in our relationships and in our connections. And I wanted people to see how that's really used in the modern world. And I'm very happy with the way um, that I was able mm -hmm. to share, like I'll to call it little golden nuggets of Jewish wisdom that were bite-sized in and packaged in a way that people felt um people felt like oh i could connect to that or i could handle that or like oh that's an idea don't know if i'm going to do it but at least i understand right. it it was packaged in a way that was very easy to digest that's interesting and and a, is there sort of like a line like i'm a huge fan of anyone trying to share the values of torah with those that are not you know, raised with it or living with it. That's, that's what we do at MGE. But I'm curious how far you feel you can take it. Like, I know you won't set up 
you know, a Jewish person with someone who is, you know, outside of the faith. But would you start counseling and do you start counseling people as you're meeting with couples, I don't know, to observe other Jewish traditions that you think could be helpful for relationship? I don't know, in the in the realm of, of, of sexual relations or, or you know, if, if there's a, um, um, I don't know, you tell the couple to go to a kosher restaurant, you think somehow that could be <laughs> helped. I, I don't know. Is there like a line? Um, you know, do you think it turns people off? Do you, do you, do you come across? I don't, I don't, I haven't seen you on the show as coming across preachy or anything like that, but. Right. So curious. I, I, I'm, I don't take on uh, a rabbi role. I leave that to you uh, and to the very capable people in this world. I will take on the role that somebody wants and needs. So if a couple would come to me and say, wow, we're coming from different backgrounds. One's leaning more to the right and one's leaning more to the left religiously, not politically. That's a whole different topic, but, but we're not really blending. And they say to me, and we want to work this out. Can you help us work through this? For sure, I'm going to talk to them. We're going to negotiate it out and we're going to talk about options, but it's because they brought it to the table. But if there's a couple that's doing what they're doing in the world, they're happy with who they are, they're moving along in the ways that make them happy, I'm not going to step in where I'm not invited, mostly because mm -hmm. what I share won't be retained. But if somebody wants it because they're curious about it, even whether it's with a couple or somebody on their own, I, I'll give you an example. I had a client who um, was Jewish and probably more in the realm of not observant, but thinking about their Judaism and thinking about doing something with it. And they said, when I get married, one of those, when I get married down the road, <laughs> I will. And then they filled in the blank and they're like, oh, I'll keep kosher. We'll have Friday night dinners, right? I'll be more involved with my Judaism. I said, okay, tell me about your Judaism now. Right. His Judaism didn't include any of that. And I said, why would a girl who's doing those things actually want to be with you? Why wouldn't you just find somebody who's more similar to you? And he's like, oh, right? Like pause, thinking, thinking, thinking. Mm -hmm. And he came back and he said, you're right. They probably wouldn't want to be with me. And then that means that I won't get what I'm looking for when I'm married. I said, what would you like to do about it? So my goal I see as being a mentor and, and a guide is to ask the right questions, to let the person reflect on it and to let them come back and say, well, this is important to me. And this is what he said. Well, my Judaism is important to me and I do want to do that when I get married, but I could start doing some things now. I said, great. What do you want to start doing? He said, well, I was thinking about putting on tefillin. Mm -hmm. I, he said, wow. he said, and that's something that I can do just for me. It's not like Shabbat dinner, <clears throat> Friday night, and somebody else is involved. That's like a me kind of thing. Maybe I'll start with that. I said, sounds great. If that's what you're interested in, what else are you interested in? He said, well, maybe I'll go to somebody's Shabbat dinner. And then a couple months later, it was maybe I'll throw Shabbat dinner at my house. And then nice. a couple months later, you know, where's, maybe this, I'll where's this, where's this guy live? <laughs> you, gotta, <laughs> you gotta send them around. He it's got perfect. engaged. He got oh, engaged, okay. he got married, and he found the girl who was going to keep Shabbat with him and do all the things of his dreams. But he started doing it today because he said, instead of me waiting for when that happens, I'll do it now. And then when that happens, the right person will be drawn and attracted to me and the system will actually work. And he's he was right. But I I'm more of a philosophy of you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So mm -hmm. let's make it sweet and let's make it something that's good for you. Now you tell me what's good for you. And I ask the questions and then we stretch people as far as they're willing to go. And if you stretch them too far, they snap and they break. So we yeah, don't do that. Yeah. We just go to their limits, but we challenge. I ask questions. We play with ideas. I very much like asking um, questions and, and seeing how, what could we do this? Ah, oh, but what about that? And I go, Oh no. Okay. Right, yay. That's too far. Right. right. But I, <laughs> I, um, that's actually, I found so much in my wife and I do a lot of matchmaking and, um, we try 200. What did I give you? I gave you the number already. 382 couples MJ. Yeah, but, true. um, I will tell you so many, that's such a, I'm so glad you gave that as an example of somebody who wants to have this kind of Jewish life, but isn't living it now. And why do they imagine a man or a woman that someone of the opposite sex is going to be attracted to them if they're not observing that now, but then it feels artificial, but I'm, right. I, I'm, I'm my, so I wanna, you know, that's for the kids. That's, you know, that's the Shabbat table we wanna have for the children one day. And I've said right. that so many times, 
just start it now, man. If you want that kind of woman in your life, you're going to have to attract that woman by living a life now. And it's not like you don't believe in it. It's just timing, you know, that's That's actually a great point. It also, by the way, it also works the other way. So if you have somebody, you know, we have people that are on their way into their Judaism and then we have people that are on their way out of their Judaism. Okay. Both people should go and marry a Jewish person, but let's find somebody who's at the level where you're at, not the level where you were. And so wherever you're at, find some peace with where you're at, find some balance and find a partner who's in a very similar place so that they can match you. And, and what about the whole aspiring thing? Like, let's say someone is not there now, but you think aspirationally they could get there. Do you feel comfortable fixing, let's say, that guy up with a woman who's a little more observant then? Because you're hoping, and not just hoping, but he seems to express an interest in growing more if he's with the right person. Would with you feel comfortable? Action? If he expresses it with his actions more than his words, I'm comfortable. If he expresses it with his words, words are just very nice words. Words. But if he (laughs) says, again, if he says, I want to do more one day, and he says, and today I will do the following, and I have been doing the following, and then next month I've been doing the following. And if he shows me with his actions, like this, we are a people of action, okay? Thought to speech, to action. So if if I have a thought that I want to be something and I say that I want to be something and I do nothing in this world physically to become that, then I would absolutely not try to match his thought. I would try to match who he is. And when he finally comes down to it and matches his actions with his thoughts, then I'd be willing to step it up. But I wouldn't risk stepping, stepping it up for him and setting him up with somebody who is expecting more and wants more and he's going to let, let himself down and them down because it's not just that he's not there. He's not even on his way there. Actions mean that I'm on my way there. I didn't arrive yet, but I'm on the road. Thoughts are great. And when I wake up tomorrow, I might have a new one, right? Actions to shift an action in this world. Well, a thing in motion stays in motion. It's more likely to hold than just a thought of being something different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the capitalists teach we are living in, what they call olam ha'asiya. It's the world of action, which is why Judaism, as you said beautifully, is so action-oriented. It's all about mitzvahs. It's not what you're thinking or even right. saying. It's ultimately what you're doing. What, what, what's your feeling about friends? You know, I live on the Upper West Side. I met my <laughs> wife many years ago on the Upper West Side, so I have a lot of gratitude. People actually do meet and marry on the Upper West Side. They do. So <laughs> it, it, it happens, it happens. So. But, you know, when we often fix people up, I'll get the answer. Yeah, yeah, I know her. She's great. We're friends. And I say, okay, good. My attitude is like, okay, you're already friends. Step one. So what's your feeling on transforming friendships into relationships, romantic relationships? I'm with you. I think that that is a fantastic way to go. And I think that people have to put on a certain lens. They have to look through that friend zone lens, get rid of it and put on the romantic lens and go, huh, look at that. I like you. You like me. We get along. Similar interests, similar practices in the world. Wow. Huh. Why don't we ever do something? Well, I don't want to risk a friendship. Well, I've met people that are hotter than you. Well, uh, I think I want something different, but I'm still drawn to somebody like you. I still connect with you. And there's still something that's here. I am a huge fan of friends, Mm -hmm. an enormous, enormous fan of friends and friendships. And I love those types of relationships because I agree with you. Step one, a couple has to be and has to have a friendship. Um, if we look at the Sheva Brachas after a couple gets married and all the blessings that we bestow upon them, the last one goes through Gila, Rina, Ditza, Chedva, Ava, Achva, Shalom, Vereut. We go through all of these things, talking about brotherhood and friendship and peace and the way that we should interact with our person. It's literally a guideline for what we need in a relationship. And friendship is an enormous part of it. Think about how much of a couple's relationship revolves around friendship versus a romantic relationship yeah yeah and, and but how would you but but how do you um first of all also in the sheva bracha the the, the six brachas re'im ahuvim we call the couple re'im friends ahuvim who are lovers they're both but how do you 
how do you then listen? If someone's not open to it, they're not open to it. They're but to if it. someone's like a little open to it, but they're like, is there anything, any kind of advice or guidance you can help to, to help the couple flip yes. from, yeah, let me hear. Okay. Number one, they have the internal makings of a great couple. So you don't have to work on the foundational level. We literally have to work on the physical and physiological level of having a desire for the person. So mm -hmm. what do you like about them? I don't care if they like the shape of their eye, the shape of their ear, the, the look of their hands, pick one physical character trait. What do you like? And they're like, oh, I really... I appreciate that their face is symmetrical. Okay, great, mm -hmm. good. Focus on the face, right? What else do you appreciate about them? Then I find a second thing and a third thing. Great. Um, how difficult would it mm -hmm. be for you to flip from this I'm a friend vibe to I'm willing to give this a shot because maybe there could be something there? I, I Like I assess it. I would even, you know, for me, uh, a lot of people don't like this, but I would even rank it, you know, on a scale of one to 10, right? You've been out with people that you don't like, that's a one. You know, you've been out with people that you really like, that's a 10, right? So this is a friend, but they're in the middle. But like, eh, they're not a five. What are they, a six, a seven, an eight? Give me like, where do they fall on, on a scale? Or, or if you were, you were gonna try to set them up with your buddy or your best friend, how would you describe them? What, how would you pitch them? How would you sell them? Then I get them to sell them to somebody else, right? They're telling me about it, but selling them to somebody else. And I'm going, wow, this person sounds great. Wait, why don't you want to date them, right? So I don't want to do the heavy lifting and I don't want to sell them to each other, but I want, I, I know that they know it and I know that they see it, but usually their answer is, and we're friends. It just didn't develop like that. We don't have feelings like that. And I'm with you. Not today, but it doesn't mean that you can't, number one. And number two is just because there aren't feelings doesn't like if you don't have feelings, maybe they do. Right. You might not mm. be feeling this today, but almost always, almost, almost always with uh, close friendships between men and women. Uh, who are, you know, heterosexual, there's mm. some interest on one side or the other. So yeah. if you're not yeah. interested, the other party probably is. And if the other party thinks that they're not interested, you probably have it somewhere there. There's there's a spark of that interest that's there that's like kindling a fire. And we just need to spark it and keep it going. So I would say go out for an evening date, not a day date. Romance is naturally in the air. Right. Go to a right. nice restaurant, a romantic walk in the park, go to the beach. I like sending people, you know, for a walk mm -hmm. on the boardwalk or a walk down the beach. Something where the moment and the energy is romantic. Forget about the couple. The couple doesn't have to be because the energy of the moment is like that. Mm -hmm. And then we use that moment to fuel the connection to see if we could spark something. Nice. Very, very nice. I, you know, I, I, I was a rabbi and before I started MJ, I was a rabbi at OZ. I don't know if you know the Upper West Side. It's I know, West yeah. So the rabbi there, he's amazing. Rabbi Alan Schwartz, one of my mentors, you know, he, about five, 600 people every Friday night, all singles. And he was like, yeah. There's so many friendships in this room. How many of these friendships can be somehow transformed into marriages? You know, not all of them, but I was one of them, actually. My wife and I were friends before. But let me ask you another question now while we're on this. Do you ever tell yeah. your clients they're being too picky? And if so, how do you get that across? Because this is a how do you get that across without them making them feel like they're settling? Like you're being so picky, no, 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 and it's like I don't want to. This is the rest of my life. I want to be excited about the person. I want to, you know, desire them. I want to miss them when I go away. And like, and maybe, maybe their aspirations like a little too lofty, and you got to bring them down to earth. But then they feel like they're settling, and nobody wants to feel like they're settling. What do you say? So I don't like to tell people they're too picky. I think that people have. I so I think that people have preferences. I think that people. Um, want what they want. And I'm not going to call it picky. I'm just going to call it, they have strong preferences and there's certain mm -hmm. needs. And I ask them, right, to the exclusion of everything else, does that come first? Whatever this need is, it can be a physical look, it can be a certain character trait, it can be some, whatever it is that somebody has in their head. Is this really it? This is like the thing. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, great, if we match everything else up and it's perfect, but not that one thing. Are you going to say no? And if they tell me that's right, I'm going to say no, then I, I'm not going to tell them they're too picky. I'm just going to let time do its job. Maybe mm. time and God will bring them what they want. And maybe time and God will not bring them what they want. 
And in six months or a year or two years or five years, they'll come back and they'll say, you know, remember when I told you? I said, I remember. <laughs> What's the newsflash? What's the update? <laughs> well, maybe I would be open to or, you know, I didn't realize it at the time that was actually a good option. But now my options aren't even as good as that. Now my options are very different. And I wish mm -hmm. I had even gone for that. You know, oh, why didn't you push me into something like that? I said, were you pushable? Was that really a realistic yeah. comment? And they right. look at me and they're like, right. "No, I wasn't." No, you need they need so, they need to go um, through it themselves. They need to go through it themselves. You're saying, that, in other words, there, there's nothing right. There's nothing you're going to say to get them to realize they're being a little too. I mean, you don't. We don't really I, know. I, None I, of us is a prophet. We don't know if the person. Maybe that person has. Yeah, what I usually do is I will ask questions. I get really curious about who you are. I get really curious about where you're at. I get really curious about how far we can stretch you, not to the point of breaking, but just like like exercise, to the point of pain, but not beyond. Is this okay? Oh, it's oh, okay, hold, don't do any more, right? Mm -hmm. I wanna see how far we can stretch. And if people are really not flexible, maybe they're new to the situation, maybe they're new to dating, maybe they're new to dating this type of person, maybe they've been married to this idea in their head for a very long time, I'm not going to be able to break that up. I need to ask the right questions and let them have aha moments where they can realize that mm -hmm. this isn't exactly what I need to be happy. Maybe something else could fulfill me. And then I want them to ask the question. I, I like when they say to me, well, do you think that could work? And my answer is, that's up to you. Do you think it could work? Right. And I, because I already know if they're asking the question, their answer is they think that there's a possibility, but right. they're afraid they're of it because you. they want what they want. Everybody wants the idea that they want. Right. And that's very difficult to let go of the re the reality in front of me versus the image in my head, the image in my head, you don't match it. But most people don't get the image in their head. Some people do. Most people don't. Okay. So mm -hmm. fine. If you're among the five, 10, even let's exaggerate it, say 15% of the people who are going to get what they want. Rest of you aren't. The rest of you are going to get something different because what you want, what you need, and what's in front of you are going to be different things. And you're going to have to make peace with what that looks like. I, I would also just add, if I can just jump in that, um, and I went through this myself when I was single, you know, we do get married to certain things. We're married to them because we're psychologically, we've convinced ourselves that we need those things to be happy. If you yes. no longer believe that you need that thing to be happy, you're not settling. You're just now Correct. divorcing yourself, to use this language. You're divorcing yourself from this preconceived notion, which was just an illusion. It, it convinced you for a certain period of time that if I don't have X, right. I can't be a happy, well-adjusted, you know, husband one right. day. But now that may be true, though. That's why it's tricky. And that's why I'm a big believer in right. coaches and therapists to get because you have to figure out yourself. Because if we hold on to too many things, right. nobody's going to no one's going to get married because it's just nobody's that, Perfect. you know. Nobody's going to um, match up to the image in our head better than the image in our head. It's true. Yeah, but you're able to tell the difference between something I can't I can't get rid of, something I need, and something that I can live without and still be happy. And that's not settling. That's not settling. Right. No, I think it's a matter of understanding what I want, what I need, and what's going to bring me joy and how I experience that in life. Yeah. You can make yeah. a, a list of what you need. Just because you get what you need, it also doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. Yeah, I, I want to. I'm going to get into the show a little. I just want to say, first of all, I'm a big fan. So I'm going to preface this question by saying that I'm a big fan. <laughs> okay, I'm a big fan of yours, what you're doing, the show. But there's two things that put me off a little, and I actually made a little video about this um, with one of my Parsha things. And I, I, I want to just hear how you would respond. So one was the production. Um, I, um, it seemed to give over a little sort of Miami Vice you know, quick clips of a bikini on a beach, slick sports car. And um, and also some of the couples that were presented just seemed so superficial and vacuous. And, and now I imagine both the production and the presentation of those couples are there to develop a broader appeal for the show, to show like Jewish matchmaking Jews are just like anyone else. 
and uh, we also want to have fun and blah, blah, blah. But are you concerned at all that it may represent the Jewish community as uh, materialistic and we have that reputation already a little, you know, money, 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 and superficial, like the couples itself, like, you know, um, I mean, they're lovely people, they're normal, regular people, but it just, to me, when I watched a couple episodes, I, I kind of felt like um, it, it just seemed very superficial. That's all. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on that, on those two things. Right. Um, if they could have made the whole show and not had the bikini scenes in, which to be honest, it was a quick flash before a couple of clips and it had nothing except like you could have shown a beach and you could have shown, you know, just a big ocean picture, right? There, there were a lot of things that could have been done. Um, but I think that if we're being real with who we are as the Jewish people and we look at the variety of who we are, that relates to part of us and that relates to doesn't relate to others. And there is a wide range of Jewish people within the world. And we are a combination of body and soul. And I think that we, as the Jewish people, struggle with that just like anybody in the world, right? I'm in the world, I'm of the world. No, I'm a spiritual being. I have something so much more to me than this physicality that exists in this world. And we are constantly bringing ourselves into check and into balance. And this show really showed both sides. So you weren't getting a glorified, everything is fine and oh, we're spiritual beings only. And we weren't getting a physical, physical, physical only in this world kind of thing. There was somehow, I think, a, a balance of what was shown. And what do I wish there would have been less? I, I don't think it was necessary. And I don't think, um, also if you look at the parent show, this comes off of the heels of Indian matchmaking, which is the brand wasn't really done in Indian matchmaking. Why Why did it have to be done here, right? So you could say, oh, well, it was filmed in LA and Miami and Tel Aviv and okay, so cities with beaches. Okay, there's lots of things that you can show on the beach that don't have to, that don't exist like that. There was a conscious choice to do that. So I think that there is this, again, body and soul and this push and pull and this enticement into this world and at the same time, and the physicality of this world and at the same time, well, wait a minute, what are the values? What do you want? And I think you constantly see that in the show. I bring in, you know, the values and the balance of internal and external. And mm -hmm. we have people that are living in the world that are very external focused. And to me, I will say this over and over again, when people get divorced, they don't go, you know what? I'm done. You're ugly. I don't want to look at you anymore, right? If they're saying you're ugly, they're actually talking about the inside. You don't treat me well. You're not speaking kindly. I don't like what's happening here. This doesn't feel good to me. That's really what they're saying. And the physical part of who we are, yes, I have to wake up and I have to be okay to look at my partner every day. But if my partner doesn't treat me well, I don't care how good looking they are. They will become ugly to me in I right. Say, oh, no, so no. so that's so that's a very beautiful Jewish teaching. I'm just wondering why I don't know, maybe I'm off. Like I've been dealing with singles for 25 years. I and and most of them are not religiously observant. The ones who come to Manhattan Jewish experience uh mostly uh you know from conservative reform unaffiliated, less affiliated. Yeah. But I just felt like I feel like the the um they're just more I wouldn't say brilliant intellectuals, but they're just a little more substantive types, not necessarily so spiritual and looking for values all the time. But I don't know, it just seemed as though there was a propensity on the show to, to show um, either better looking, but not as substantive individuals. Uh, and I wonder if that was like on purpose um, whether maybe somebody else. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not on the production end of things. There was a a Jewish religious producer that was there to you know help with the content. Ronit Poland was brought in, but in mm -hmm. terms of the vibe and the feel, I do think that that's was ultimately in the hands of Netflix, and that was via the production company to match the expectations of what they. I mean, were are doing. you are you at liberty to say like I, mean, I don't know maybe you're not like. Would you would you have preferred to? And, and by the way, I don't. God forbid, want to say anything negative about all the lovely couples you brought on. But if you had said, you know, I really I want to bring people on that that um, give more of a vibe of substance. 
unless wanted, materialism. Uh, it's, so it's, not, it's not about spiritual, not spiritual. It just seemed very surface. The, 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 right. The, so the, I really wanted people that were marriage minded. Okay. Marriage minded mm -hmm. to me means if I find my person with the next six months to a year, I'll mm -hmm. know it and I'll do something about it. Secular, religious, I don't care what background you come from. You meet your person and you're like, whoa, you're not waiting longer than a year to do something about that. And um, really there were a lot of young um, singles that were brought in and everybody had a pretty long timeline. It was like, oh, okay. In four right. years. And I'm like, right. four you want a marriage? I can't make a marriage happen in seven months if your timeline is four years. So um, I think the types of people that they chose were youthful. We're still figuring a lot of things out. Not all of them, clearly. Um, but just, for example, somebody like uh, Faye and Shia, the, the observant Maybe. couple that was on the show, Maybe. right? We're talking about values. We, we got into the depth of like what really works for them, what they really want and what they really need, as opposed to talking about the physical character traits a majority of the time. So for me, I want to know what somebody physically wants. Do I want to spend 75% of my time talking about physical looks? Not really, because it's completely irrelevant. Of course, we'll get you what you want. That's on the outside. Fine, fine, fine. What's on the inside? What do you want? Mm -hmm. And I worked really hard to ask that question and you see it over yeah. and over again. Yeah. What do you want? But what do you want? But what do you want? And I wasn't getting answers that were robust. And, and that for me would have been uh, a very coachable moment where I would have said, hey, let's put this matchmaking thing on pause for a minute. We've got to work on values. If you're not clear on the inside what you're looking for, I don't care what she physically looks like. It's never going to work because we won't know if the values align. Okay, your, your eyes will be happy, but the rest of you won't even know what it wants. And we have to figure that piece out. And so mm -hmm. I did dig into that with people. You know, that's where we got a little into like Sephardi and Ashkenazi and customs and what our families do and what that means. And do you accept me for who I am? That started to get into some real issues. Um, mm -hmm. And I really, I really valued things like that. And then for some people, it was just a base level of, wow, I've never even dated somebody Jewish. I haven't thought of Jewish values. I was just making a decision to make date somebody Jewish over somebody that wasn't Jewish. This is the first time I'm experiencing that. So I think that we got a wide range of people on the show who had a wide range of backgrounds. And for me, right, I, yes, physical looks, we're going to get you, but values, what do you want? What do you want? What's on the list? What's on the list? you can only work as much or, or as hard as, uh, you know, the, the material that you have is what you have to work with. Thank you very much for that candid answer. Uh, so by the way, before we get off the show for a second, when are you coming to the West side, <laughs> the Mecca of Jewish singlehood? I'm waiting for like, <laughs> And the first thing was, I need to come. I did something in New York City in May. I was trying, I needed a bigger venue. People were so mad at me. We only could host 200 people. And they were like standing in line outside. I'm like, no, no, if you didn't buy a ticket, you can't come. I'm so sorry. I, I needed like a theater for 400, 500, and we couldn't find it in time. Um, well, I need I'm to just get saying, back. If you I wanna, need to come back. If you wanna, we're, yeah, we should talk. talk. If you wanna, we have lots of couples, yeah. um, lots of couples. Um, let me get back to the dating questions because you know, we have so many MGE participants are primarily in their 20s and 30s. What do you see as the most common struggle yeah. young professionals, um, young people are facing today when they're dating? Um, and, and, and how can you how can you help them? And me advise them? The biggest. <laughs> okay, we'll give you two training also, Rabbi. Uh, the biggest challenge that I see is clarity. People will come and they'll probably say to you, I met someone, no, 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 I don't know, maybe. And, well, what do you think about them? How did it go? Well, it was nice, but I'm not sure if it's enough or I don't know. Again, if you start to hear, I don't know in the conversation about 47 times, they won't notice they're saying it, by the way. They will, it's like, it doesn't even exist. But as you ask questions and their answer consistently is, I don't know, I'm not sure about this. I don't know. Uh, the number one thing that they are struggling with is clarity. And the question is, is who I am and what I want enough aligned with this person that it makes sense for me to pick and choose them for a lifetime? If so, please convince me not to mess this up. And if not, please don't let me marry somebody wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what they're really saying. And they're really seeking clarity. And I have uh, a system and it's called Soulmate Clarity. And it literally walks people through 
their thinking and their feelings. These are two things that we can't see. We cannot see our own thinking and we cannot see our own feelings. We can experience them. They have an effect on us, but we cannot visually represent them. I have a way to visually represent what's going on inside to take all the stories and all the, oh, well, this date was good and this date, I don't need any stories. Values, personality, what do you want in somebody? Fears, what's going on? What triggers you in general? What are you afraid of with relationships? Everybody comes in with baggage. What's yours? And bothers, what irritates you about this other person? They're a human being. Don't pretend like they're perfect. If you give me a perfect score and nothing bothers you about them, you're in lust. You're definitely not in love. So I make people do what I would call a brain dump. We evaluate it, you know, like on a scale of one to 10, how much do you need this trait, this thing that you said is so important to you? And Believe it or not, physical looks doesn't go under values. Physical looks is not a value, okay? Physical looks might be a bother. It might be something that irritates you if it's not there. Physical looks might be a fear. I'm afraid I'm not going to get this look that I want to need. But physical looks is not a value. It, It shows up somewhere else. And we go through everything that they're looking for and we compare this person to this desire that they have. And then I visually show it to them. And can somebody do this? Can somebody do this, let's say, with a friend then? This um, the salt, the salt. No, they have no. They have to do this. I mean, this is people. What people normally do is what they call right. a pro and cons list. Okay, and they weigh it out: good, bad, good, bad. It's not enough data. Uh, I'm just going to show you because this is highly. Um, I'm just going to give mm-hmm. you like a visual of this. It's highly interesting, and you, there's nothing ex- that exists like it. It's basically how does my brain think about relationships? And when people talk to me, I used to tell them well, I understand this about you. I understand this about your relationship and this is what makes sense and this is what doesn't make sense and here's why. And I'll just give you like a little bit of a Mm -hmm. a pie chart like this. Okay, so wait, I'm gonna get rid of that light. Okay, so green represents Mm -hmm. what's acceptable. Yellow is, um, well, actually green, sorry, green is good to go. That's like the good stuff. Yellow is what's acceptable. And the orange is like all the potential deal breakers. You can't get engaged. You shouldn't pursue somebody for marriage uh, and, and put a ring on it if there's orange. You've got to get rid of things that are a potential deal breaker. Nothing is a potential deal breaker. You have accepted this human in front of you. They're not an angel and they're not a perfect replica of what's going on in your head. They are who they are. And you understand that and you go, oh, not my favorite trait. Oh, it comes with the package. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. It's like not my favorite dessert. Oh, but like, I love everything else about it. Like, oh, that thing on top. Okay. Let me slide it to the side and then I won't pay attention too much. Right. So we have to understand what we're getting ourselves into. And we also have to hold ourselves up to the same values and the same things that we want over and over again. Otherwise it's a very fuzzy thing. We're doing a very internal process of thinking about what we want and how I feel. Well, how you feel on this date compared to what you need for a lifetime. I don't know. Your feelings go up and down. The weather's dark and gray. You don't feel so good. The weather's sunny. Yay. Oh, they made you laugh this date. Oh, you're in love and it's wonderful. Oh, you kind of had a bad date because they both had a bad day. Oh, you're out of love. Feelings are so fickle. They come and they go, but they still have to be evaluated because They are so real to us. We experience them, but it has to be done through a logical perspective. It has to be done through a perspective that acknowledges what's going on and says, wow, you have enough here to move to the chuppah. This is an, I I sometimes tell people, if you walk away from this relationship, you will likely not find anything this good or this compatible. So if you choose to walk, know that and be satisfied with something less than this, because this is Almost as good as it gets. Even, this even, is even really if it, something spectacular. Even if the person's go, well, feelings, because obviously chemistry is important, but you're saying you're saying that you try yeah. to get the other person because this could be helpful. Let's say somebody's dating, someone's listening to this now. They're going out, they're dating with somebody, and they hear right. like you know they really on paper this person has a lot of mylas. They have really a lot of what they're looking for, but they're not so excited. There's a level of attraction, but sometimes right. sometimes it's great, but other times it's kind of blah. Because that that's that's a that's a right. very common refrain. So, okay, those relationships, yeah, those relationships need time. We don't have enough data. I would say keep going out, keep going out. Give it twice as long as you would normally give it. If you'd normally only give it another two or three dates, give it sure. you know six dates, even longer. Give it give it six weeks. Let it grow. Date like that's why I say date them until you, you hate them. Yeah. Because 
That's it. I don't want no yeah, hating. Yeah, yeah, no hating. That's really like it's just an expression. Don't stop dating them until you're very clear that this absolutely can't work because mm-hmm. probably it can. That's really the main thing. It probably can, but your brain and your heart have to get caught up to what your eyes are seeing and what you're experiencing and put that whole process together. And then you have to look back at your whole relationship history and go, well, did I ever have somebody where like I was this conflicted about that I couldn't walk away? There was so much good. And then there's other. And, you know, this one, I, I, I people play Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> I want this personality with those looks, with these values. And that's what works. This isn't it. I said, yeah, but this is the closest you've ever gotten. They're like, yeah, but if I could get this, imagine if I could get closer. I said, no problem. How many years would you like to wait until you find that? One, two, five, ten. Are you cool if it's 15 years from now? Because There's a lot of different soulmates that we could choose in this world, and this could be one of them. Are you okay to pass them up? As long as you're okay, cool, let's go back on the hunt. Did you find anything better in your past? Probably not. Most people, if you would have found better in your past, you would have married it, or you're brokenhearted over it because they broke up with you and moved on. But most of us didn't find better. What we have is something very special, and we just don't know how special it is. Like what you said, you said this in one of the shows where you were talking about the concept of the share you said you create your Bashar. First of all, there are, and the Gemara seems to imply there are multiple Bashars. There could be more than one. And that you make that person into your Bashar. Now you have to have some sort of compatibility and some sort of sense that this was predetermined, predestined, but it's never going to be for sure. You see, and that's what I think a lot of guys, I know I struggled with that, this, this lack of certainty. Right. T- tell me what you think of this story. Um, my right. wife hates this story, but I've been sharing it for years. Okay. So somebody who I know very well, who was a mentor to me, was when he got married right before he walked down the aisle, Rabbi Salvechik, Zechotzak uh, Levracha, blessed memory, one of the great thinkers of the 20th century. He was Masada yeah. Kedushin. He was the officiant. You could use the story. I don't know if you like it or not. But right before he was about to walk down the aisle, Rabbi Salvechik took him aside and said, so new? You sure? <laughs> yeah, oy, exactly. And the guy, the guy was like, well, he, first of all, he was like frozen. He was intimidated before Rabbi Salvatric in general. And he didn't know what to yeah. answer. And you know what yeah. the Rev said back? He said, good, only a fool could be sure. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you just close your eyes, right. you know, blind faith? God, I hope this works. I don't really have much of an attraction for her. We're not so compatible. Obviously, he doesn't mean that. But the idea that even if this person could really be your soulmate and, the, and this person has a lot of the things, but there are questions, there are issues. I'm not always attracted. I'm not always like, you know, does that mean, and the Rev, by the way, had a phenomenal relationship. He spoke about it when his wife passed away. He was devastated. It was, um, you know, but but I, I just, I've shared that story over the years with a lot of guys because I, I find that they find it comforting to know that you don't have to be sure. Such a relief. Whereas other people are like, oh, that's a terrible right. story. Like, I want to feel like I'm in total love and this is perfect and I got exactly what I wanted. Right, right, right. So that the total love isn't really love, it's lust. Love, it, you know, at the root of the word ahava, love is to give. And you're, you're not going to do that in the short amount of time, in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. Yeah, you're going to give. Do you love them? <laughs> oh, do you love them, Right. But today to ask, do you love them? It's a very, you know, do I love them? How much have I given to them over the last little while? Not so much. I've given enough to know that I could keep doing that and they could keep doing that and we could build something and I'm feeling connected and enough convinced that this could work. Um, I do like that story and I, and I do agree that really we can't ever know no, but the way that we make somebody our soulmate is we get married under that moment in the chuppah, you break the glass and mazel tov, right? We bind our souls together. That's how a soulmate is made, okay? There's like, you know, soulmate suggestions in heaven, but when we come down, you make it. You get your free will. You get to choose and say, I pick you. And that's a very heavy weight for a lot of people that they have a hard time making that decision. A lot of people in the world are what I would call communal decision makers, meaning I'm not going to make this alone. Hey, Rabbi, good person, right? I'm doing the right thing, right? They want want that backup not everybody. No, no, no. There's those people, you know, the ones that they call really, really picky. Those people that don't compromise on what they want and they only are going to get what they want and otherwise don't talk to them. Those are people that will make their own decisions. They don't actually want your advice. They'll just 
suck your brain for information, but they'll make their own decision. But there, it's mm -hmm. not a majority of people in the world. A majority of people actually want support in making and, and a decision. And how do you feel about, this happens a lot at MGE, and obviously as a rabbi, I'm, not, I'm very unhappy about this, but couples fall in love, they move in. They get engaged, they move in. Now I know, and I always share the statistic that, the and, and I'll tell you, my wife is a Balat Shrivash, she's not from an observant background, and when we got engaged, her girlfriends took her out and said, I know you're marrying this crazy Orthodox rabbi, but like, um, don't you think you should move in for a couple of weeks at least? Move you know, in. And then she I said, well, do you know that the rates of divorce are actually higher amongst couples who actually lived with each other before? Check that out. It's true. So there's no evidence that, you know, taking the car around a couple of times, you know, trying it out. What do you say to somebody, um, you know, because I'm dealing with a lot of 20s and 30s. They're going out for a long time, two, three, four. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. And I mean, I think it's crazy. Other people think I'm crazy, but you know, and they're moving and they're moving, right. And they're right. moving in with each other. And I'm like, if you want to be married, you you know, exactly now after seven, eight months, you know, nothing else is going to reveal itself. Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay. No, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the same page with you, but I, I kind of come from a, a logic perspective. First of all, secular, religious, Jewish, not, I don't care what your background is within six months, we all have the ability if we're dating uh, consistently and evaluating fairly, we have the ability to know and make a decision. You are my person, whether you choose to get engaged on that or not, that's up to you, but a person, almost everybody, not if you have high, high levels of anxiety, not you, but everybody else um, should be able to make a decision within six months of dating somebody without ever having lived with them and they have the ability to make a great decision. Okay, that's number one. Number two is in terms of living together, I tell people, so you're getting married without getting married, which means if you break up, it's like a divorce. Um, men or women, it will break you. And as long as you're okay with the fact that maybe you're never gonna get married and moving in is just one of those steps that you're gonna do and in two, three, four, five, seven years, you're just gonna break up, it will feel like a divorce. The emotional pain that you will go through will be like a divorce and you didn't even get the blessings of a marriage. You didn't even get everything that you needed to succeed because you didn't even seal the deal. And it's not necessarily going to be the thing that works for you. But I was interviewed by somebody from New York and uh, kind of had this like, well, I moved in with my husband and it worked out for me and all my girlfriends and we all did the same thing. And Aliza, you're telling people you think they should try not even touching for five dates. How is that even realistic when people are having all different kinds of, of dates? And, and that doesn't sound, you know, sound like good advice. I said, well, right? For you, it happened to work out. Okay, great. So sometimes, yes, it can work out and it won't ruin a couple. But how about all the couples that come to me afterwards that are brokenhearted for years? They don't even date because they are so broken for years. Is it worth the risk? Uh, for you, it's worth the risk? Okay, for me, no way am I taking that risk. There is no way I'm giving over my mind, body, soul, and sharing my house with you without a commitment from somebody, knowing that this is going to go somewhere because we agreed we're heading in the same direction. Just let's see, we'll try it out. To me, um, it, it was way too risky of a proposition and, and there was so much more to lose than there ever was to gain. And I'll tell you, for women and for men, it's the same. Women will tell me, oh, the men won't do it if that. I said, actually, you're wrong. And the men, some of them have very strong morals and values, and they'd be very happy if you stood up to them and said, no, we're not doing this. Like, let's let's make this official and let's do something. They would be happy to have that loving nudge. But if you just go, eh, it's fine. So they're going to take, they're going to use that situation and say, okay, so I can't hold myself to that standard. She doesn't need to. So fine, we'll go at this pace. Who cares? But it sometimes ruins a perfectly good relationship also. Well, we're not married. Uh, if I was married, how, how many times have I heard this? If I was married, I would have worked it out, Aliza. I would have worked through it, but we're not married so I can break up. Are you kidding me? If you were married, you would have worked through this, but now you're not willing to work through this because you chose not to get married and you're just dating. And so now I'd rather cash in and find somebody else because it's so easy to find right. a Beshert no. in this world, a soulmate. No. It's no. not. It's not, wow. it's so not easy. That, that is actually a very, that's a very compelling argument. Um, you know, in terms of the power also that I think women, I mean, I, I can't generalize obviously, but I've tried counseling a lot of women over the years. 
I heard Revitson Young rise of blessed memory. I used to go to her Tuesday night classes and she once said, there were like 12, 1300 people there, I'm not exaggerating, it was a massive crowd. She used to teach on the Upper East Side where I was a rabbi and she said, I'm speaking to my sisters and my daughters now. The men can listen in if you would like, but I'm talking to all the women in the room. She said, you have so much more power than you think. You, uh, you yeah. are the ones that can define and identify this relationship, how it's, and you think, because I guess she was, it seemed like she was reacting to a lot of women that were coming up to her before and after her talks and saying, if I don't move in yeah. with a guy, he's going to break up. And if I don't start having sex right now, if I don't give my, if I don't submit sexually, yep. he's going to this, he's going to that. And she was trying to say, you have no idea. And I, when she said that, I was like, oh my God, she is so it is so, she's so correct. <laughs> but she's so right. And I tell the women the same thing. I said, listen, if he's not going to stick around without that, he's not going to stick around anyway. He's going to disappear anyway. And I work with a lot of men. Every one of them tells me, because I ask and I push, you know, if she decided that she wanted to do this five date challenge and, and no touching for five dates, would you do it? He said, if I was interested in her every time, he said, no. I'd even do 10 dates. I'd even do 15 dates. If I was interested, for sure. I said, oh, and if you're not interested and you're going to get physical, but you're still going to dump her, he was like, well, I mean, right. yeah, right. because why? I mean... I can't hold myself to a higher standard. That's the answer. Like, oh, I couldn't. I, yeah. I do you, mean, do you, willing, uh, how, how long I said, do you, oh, you okay, recommend you. that at the beginning of the relationship, at the middle? Like where, where I'm curious about this. At the beginning. At the beginning, I do what I, I like to take the uh, Shomanagia and guarding our touch to a modern level. And I say, listen, for the first five dates, no touching. No touching. Go out, schmooze, hi, go to dinner, go for a walk on the beach, go do whatever you want. No touching, no hello, no hug, no kiss goodnight, nothing, nothing. Say hello. Build the sexual tension, build the chemistry. Okay. So people who fight against me, they're like, no, right. no, you have to try it out. I said, oh, okay, great. You want to try it out? No problem. Try it out on date number six after there's sexual chemistry and sexual tension. You think what's going to happen on date one is going to be as good as date six? I promise you not. And if you think I'm wrong, you go try it out because that's how our brains and our bodies work, right? You you hold back from me and I'm interested and I want you and I want you and I want you. And on date six, I haven't touched you. And I'm like, I'm desiring you. My desire level for you is so high. I'm so interested. And I'm interested on the human on the inside because I didn't even touch anything on the outside. The amount of chemistry and connection physically that will be between you will be a thousand times better than what you would get on a first or a second date. But we can't hold ourselves to to that level. Like, oh, I just, you know, eat the cake now. Eat it now. Now, how about you look at the cake? You know, like if, if it stays perfect for a week, you just look at it and you're like, you're salivating, you're desiring it. You taste it on day six, you are like over the moon, best cake I've ever had. Wow. Had I eaten it on day one, it would have been nice. Would have been all right. Wouldn't have been impressed. So the truth is men and women by using this have a greater advantage to building a relationship because they build it on the inside. And then for them, they confirm it on the outside and that makes everybody happy. But the sexual tension that's built, that just, just look at chemistry body, look it up. I'm not making this up. This isn't like some religious jargon. This is like in the real world. This is what modern day, you can well, that's the way physiology, that's, that, that's, science that's of, the way, of our uh, that's, that's the ideals. I believe that the rules and laws of Tarts Mishbacha governing a husband and wife sexual life during the marriage are based. Right. There's a period of time where they're separated, right. the, the tension builds, right. woman goes to the mikvah, she comes back, there's this reunion, like a beautiful reunion. So you're giving them right. a little taste of that right. beforehand. Yeah. Little I tell it's a five day challenge. It's five dates. Don't touch in the beginning. And then you want to know if the other person likes you. This is the other guarantee clarity. If you go out with somebody for five dates, do you like them? Yeah. Do you like what's on the inside? If you didn't get anything physically, the only thing you like is what's on the inside. There is no man or woman that will be happy to stick around for five dates if I don't like what you say and how you make me feel. So it's a guarantee of clarity and it's a guarantee builder of chemistry. Who wouldn't want that? Like 100% money back guarantee have, have it you, works every you, time. Have you been Why able to ever convince that? couples to, uh, you just said some guys would say 10 dates or just to completely date 
and be, you know, like I started, you know, I, I stay away from this sometimes, you know, because I'm in a room with, you know, what's that? Say again. It's a hot, it's, it's a hot, it's a hot topic. topic. And you sound topic. like you're from, uh, I don't know, from antiquity. Yeah, basically, Mars. you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of worked. It's kind of worked pretty well over the centuries. It's, it's not just that, though. It, it's, it's more than it worked. If you, if you try it and you experience it, you buy in immediately. All, see, somebody just has to try it once and they'll see. And I have also had men and women thank me and say, I am so relieved. You know what? Uh, we broke up after date four. I thought like uh, date one was like, woo. Date two I was like, okay. Date three, you know, nothing special. By date four, I was like, I'm done. You know what? I'm glad I didn't waste my time physically engaging, touching. It's like, well, it did, I had clarity so much easier. I didn't have to waste dates. Normally, Aliza, if I wasn't dating your way, I would have dated them for six months. I wouldn't have even figured it out because maybe we would have had physical chemistry, but the rest would have been flat and it wouldn't have worked and I would have wasted all that time. So anybody who's in a rush and wants to make sure that they do it right, this will speed up your process. And if you don't care and you just want to do what you want to do because, hey, I can't hold myself to a higher standard and I can't hold myself back. It's the same kind of people who are also going to, you know, go on their diet and eat the cake and have all the carbs and not, you know, work out and not do those things. But if you want to try something where we hold ourselves to a higher level, I think that this is what to do. And I think if you look also in um, in Judaism, if you look in, in Tantra, if you look in, in the, these, these things exist in the world and I'm taking it also bite-sized five dates, really? Like it also motivates you to get on five dates in a reasonable amount of time, you know, two and a half weeks, three weeks, boom, we're done. You know, you didn't waste six months. You figured it out. Or if you did figure it out and you like each other, you have clarity so much sooner. Well, I don't, I, I don't know. Listen, I'm, I'm a heart and soul person. It's got to feel right, but I'm also a logical person. If it doesn't make sense, it's never going to work. And so I'm trying to appeal to both of those senses and forget about Judaism and religion. I grew up secular. I believed this before I became religious. Like I understood there was a book called something like how to get the love you want without sex, something like that. I read that in my, um, in my college years and I was like, brilliant brilliant. If he really wants you, he's going to stick around. And it's not because he physically wants you and you won't be in question and you won't be wondering. And, um, and it, it, it's just the most clear thing. And if, look, if you don't really care and you're happy to date around, so go have fun. If you want to go have fun, I'm not telling people not to have fun. Everybody defines it how they want. Have fun. Just make sure the person you're dating knows you're having fun and you're not dating for real. But if you want to date for real and you're looking for a partner, wouldn't you want the most direct method to figure it out that I'm, I'm not even saying 99%. I am telling you a guarantee 100% this works. And if you try it and you don't like it, so fine. So go back to your way, but you haven't found a better way yet. Most people I can guarantee they have not found a better way yet. And this works well, I, every time. Aliza, uh, thank you so much because you're a breath of fresh air. You know, the, I, I think in our society, relationships, marriage has taken such a beating. It's the butt of every bad joke now. Um, it was that way a little when I grew up, but I just see it's gotten quadruply worse in our time. And, and young people today are suffering. I feel I feel so much for my, my students who I, who I love and I want to help them. And I really believe the way to help them is to impart Torah values and Torah messages. And I like the way you're doing this because not everybody can handle the whole thing. Okay, don't touch her. No physical contact. No, it's now I, I, yeah, that, is the, that is the ideal. I don't no. want anyone coming off this conversation and saying, oh, the rabbi and the matchmaker said it's okay. As long as I don't touch her for five dates, I could do whatever I want. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I totally like I, I I tell them listen I'm going to turn a blind eye right I have better advice of what to do and how to do it but only if you ask me but I you know like when you go to the gym and you start to work out if you're yeah. going to give me 200 sure. pounds you know what I'm going to do yeah. I'm not going to lift anything it's not going to work so we take the wisdom and we package it in a way that stretches them it's listen I say to people it goes like this can you not touch for five dates? Could you try that? And they look at me and if I get a blank stare, like you're crazy, I'm like, fine, three dates. Mm. Can you try it for three dates? And they look at me like, <laughs> 
Okay. Two dates. Can you try it for two dates? And they're like, I don't know, Louisa, maybe. And I'm like, okay, what should you do if you can't try it for two dates? And they're like, well, I guess we should just try it for one date. I'm like, no, you should go get therapy. You need therapy if you can't try it for one date, right? We have a problem. If one date, right, you can't even do it for one date, forget about it. I'm not interested in one date. If we can't hold ourselves to getting to know somebody on the inside, our physical selves, we're so animalistic that we cannot hold our, like sit on our hands. We can't do that for three dates. Really? I'm not impressed. You don't forget about it. Don't bother dating. Go, go figure yourself out and, and go work with impulse control and then come back to me. And then let's talk about dating. And people thank me. They're like, no, you're right. You're right. I could, I just don't want to. And I'm like, okay, but you want clarity and you want love. How much do you want it? Do you want it so much that you're willing to just try not touching for three dates, five dates? Yeah. You should try it. It works. I like that. That's a great way to end our conversation. Try it. It works. It's, that's like, it could be a new tagline for Jewish outreach. <laughs> try it. It works. <laughs> I've been trying. That's why I'm very attracted <laughs> to the work that you do and how you do it. Hashem should bless you. Aliza, you should continue to um, share the Torah's wisdom. You got yourself on Netflix, which is very impressive. Let me know when you come into the West Side. We would love to work with you here. And the more advice, wisdom, and Torah that we can get in our relationships. And by the way, not just in dating and finding the person and getting to the chuppah, but in staying married, which is obviously, yeah. You got you got to stay real and stay married, and these these values hold yeah. in a marriage, which is why you said we follow this in a marriage. If I'm, I'm only training you in dating, not for the sake of dating, it's all for the sake of marriage. So when your marriage is going bad, don't go to the to the hotel with the spa and the bubble bath and the jacuzzi, and that's not going to fix your marriage. But if you try maybe not touching again mm -hmm. for five days or a week, and then you go to the spa. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. You call me and thank me. <laughs> Solved your problem. All you have to do is open up the Torah and the, and the Shulchan Aruch. A lot of this has been outlined in there, but we have to figure out a way of really presenting. And by the way, I think for Jews and non-Jews alike, I just think that's why I love the, the idea of the show yes. of, of just being yes. able to kind of present a, um, you know, a spiritual path to relationship building. And it's just so, so imperative today. Yes. Um, Hashem should bless you with continued success, uh, not only on the show, but you should get as many couples married. And um, yeah, we should dance on them through a lot of chuppahs. Amen. Thank Lisa, so thanks much. so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe, like it, put a review, share it with a friend. Thanks for joining.